the shortest podcast introduction that you've ever heard. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are at in the world. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Y-U-D-I-G, live action, Kansas City, Missouri. You already know the vibes. I'm back at it again with another episode of the Carlos Stutzer Show. And like I've always told you, and like I always come with the truth, because truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtues, and I try to, you know, adhere to that, I'm coming back with a fire guest. I tell y'all every week, coming back with a fire guest. I've done it once again. Before the episode even starts, I already know it's going to be fire because look who we got here. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, my guy. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm Josh Lewis, uh, the founder and CEO of Upbound App Inc., man, and uh, originally from Dallas, Texas. And I'm, uh, I am I appreciate you having me on this call and uh, getting my point of view on things. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Let's start from there. Dallas, Texas, man. How'd you end up in Kansas City? Um, what's your origin story? What was it like growing up in Texas? I know uh, I know Dallas is kind of seen as the bigger city in Texas where a lot of live, especially nightlife shit is happening. So talk a little bit about your experience, you know, transitioning from Texas to the Mo and how that happened. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was always an athlete um, and uh, played sports in high school, played sports in college, went to a junior college out of uh um, out of high school in in West Texas. And so once I finished there, I had two years there, then I had to pick a school to go to. I picked Park University out of a couple of schools that were recruiting me based on my visit, right? So I came out to Kansas City on a, a visit to Park University and seen the nightlife scene, to be totally honest. Um, and based on, based on the other options that I had, it was the best nightlife scene that I could find. And I was always in the party and it kind of just being social. So I chose Park, went to, went to Park, played three years basketball, graduated with a marketing degree, um, and then started up down shortly after. I love it. I love it. So do you have family still back in Dallas? Because actually just recently I came across, uh, what I believe to be a family member of yours on Instagram. And I was like, hold up. Looked at this photo, looked at this photo. I was like, they might be some resemblance in this motherfucker. So yeah. go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about family back home and, and how you kind of got inspired to get into business and entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I, uh, all my family's back, back in Dallas. I don't actually have family elsewhere. Um, and so originally from Dallas, Texas, uh, really, really, really strong family household, um, raised on some good principles and morals, whatnot. And so I had an older brother, um, 10 years older than me that kind of did everything that I did growing up, right. Play college sports, um, graduate, all these things, right. He had all these barriers. And so I had a, a very, tight-knit relationship with him um, throughout my life and realized that I kind of wanted to follow his path. Um, and then after, you know, he graduated, he uh, got into the payroll industry um, and then ended up starting his own businesses and, and, and doing, doing really well for himself. And so that's kind of where I wanted to realize I wanted to get into tech, but then I, I also wanted to find out how to connect that to my passions and my dreams, which was being social and, you know, the nightlife scene and understanding that. And so that's where Up Down came from, but I always had a guy, right? So I always had somebody in front of me that showed me a way and still do to this day. We talk, you know, regularly. Um, I, I'm definitely, I always, every time I get on a call or interview or anything, I, I really praise that because in our community, a lot of the times that's not always the case. And so being black and having somebody in a space, you know, in a tech space and successful at it always, always helps. I love it. And so did you have any other, you know, side hustles or entrepreneurial, uh, endeavors that you went after prior to up down and if so uh did you want to share any of those experiences and maybe some some 
early fun stories of business and, yeah, and uh, yeah. Joshua's life. So right when I graduated, I was I, I was set out on being a sales rep um, at um, uh, an industry. It was in an industry that I thought was pretty cool. So it was it was the the, the uniform industry, right? But the sale, the way they sold and how high level it was, I kind of wanted to get into that space. Um, so I was at a company called Universal about 10 months, realized that I was built to be an entrepreneur, uh, didn't really like my boss telling me what to do. He was a good guy, but, you know, and we had a good friendship, to be honest. But anytime it was time to tell me how to do my job, I wasn't really fond of it because I always thought I knew what I was doing. So I was always that guy. I realized that I couldn't be that guy in a, you know, working under somebody. So I had to go create my own. And then it was simply up down right after that, bro, like, um, I threw parties. That was kind of like my, my side hustle, right? I could throw parties at any time, make some money to get me by. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And then I started to, you know, do my own mental consumer data research on, you know, people that party, what they like, what they want, what they want, what they looking for, you know, um, and, and those different things. And so I've always thrown parties, man. Like I've, even in high school, I actually threw my first party in high school. So I've always just been that guy to do that, um, build communities around, um, things that I wanted to talk about, things I wanted to sell um, myself, all that, right? Just building communities is what I what I was good at. And so I always did that. And so my side hustle was always, if I can get a lot of people together to a spot, um, I can make some money. And then I just transform that into tech, right? So it's like, I'm gonna get a lot of people to gather on this platform and we're gonna make some money, right? Um, around nightlife. And, and essentially that's just been my gift and my, my grind since day one. And that's what I kept with. I love it. I love it. And before we jump deeper into the business, I kind of just wanted to touch a little bit more on, you know, life growing up in Dallas. What were maybe some experiences or some uh, relationships that you built growing up in Dallas that really, you know, either taught you a lesson or gave you perspective on life and how you look at life now today? Yeah, um, uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is just family in general, right? So I've been away from my family since I was pretty much 18, right? Um, I left, went to college, and I haven't lived in Dallas since. And so uh, what's that? Shoot, that's more than a decade now, right? And so um, I think for me, growing up, it made me realize how important family is, one, but then how how much of an impact they had on my life from a, just from a um, a grit and grind perspective, right? My All of my family members um, were hard workers. Um, they loved each other, but the hard work piece was really big, right? Like getting through hard times was easy for them. And I say easy, but they made it look easy. And so I think I learned a lot of that from them, right? And so when I when I think about my Dallas experience, it's what shaped me to be that that hard-nosed, grit, grit guy that really can get through anything um, mentally, physically, emotionally, all these things. And so I think that was, when I, when I think about Dallas and, and what it taught me, um, essentially it, it's that like I, I, I was I'm built for whatever and would you say those same learnings like are, are similar when it comes to sport and what sport taught you growing up like you said you've always been a competitive athlete you ended up going to play college ball you know you played a little bit in juco which can be you know tough and uh, um, you know challenging for some or fun for others who knows <laughs> um, but uh but um, and then, you know, came out here to Kansas City, left home, left the left the state you grew up in to come play a sport that you loved. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, basketball and how that had a positive influence on your life or a negative influence. And, um, you know, some principles you learned from that. Yeah, I mean, basketball, you know, the team sport in basketball gives you that the, the character piece and learning how to work with others and understanding your role. And so when as I'm building a team now, right, um, 
the, a lot of those factors play into that, right? And then I was always the point guard, luckily. So I was the leader of the team most of the time, well, all the, all the time, actually. And so I understood how to lead, right? And so all of that stuff kind of transitioned into it. But honestly, man, if I'm being honest, like, you know, if I could, if I could do it over, like, I don't know if I would actually play to be, to be totally honest. Like I would, um, I would probably start the business side of things a lot earlier. Um, I, I really enjoyed this a lot more than basketball. And I, I didn't know that until I started doing it. Um, you know, growing up, you think basketball is like life. It's like, a, like if I don't hoop, then what else is it? Right. And if I'd have known there was like a whole nother life for me that I would enjoy this much, I probably would have skipped out on the b-ball and not to say that b-ball didn't teach me things but i would have just i would have started learning from experience um, when it came to business and i and i like that perspective because it kind of matches up with you know the 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 focus of the podcast you know growing up as a black or brown kid in america it kind of feels like i don't know if you have the same experience it sounds kind of like it is um you know it feels like the only two options you have are to be a rapper or to be an athlete and you know when you don't have any other Fortunately, now we have it, but when we don't have any other, I guess, signs of success outside of those industries um, on TV or in our own family households, it kind of leaves, you know, the opportunities like, all right, all I see on TV is black basketball players and black, you know, uh, performing artists and I'm shitty at rap and I'm shitty at sports. So what the fuck am I supposed to do with my life, you know, yeah. and kind of trying to, you know, the focus here, especially for having you on and all the other guests I've had on is to really just inspire the young folks that end up listening to this. And, you know, some of them may not be young. They might still be in that mindset at 35 yeah. and, yeah. you know, really trying to educate them, inform them that there's other opportunities and the best way to develop faith is to see someone already doing something. You know what I'm saying? So no, that's a big part of my mission and, 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 and my goals is to kind of break down those barriers for blacks. Right. Um, being able to show them that they, they can build the, the next big thing. Right. Um, and you don't have to know it right away. You can go learn it. Right. And that's kind of big. It's like, you know, we don't get taught a lot of those things because our, our family members didn't know. Um, but we can go learn it. Right. And we have the, the, the audacity, the, the tenacity to actually go figure things out better than others, right? We're a lot, a lot more creative, um, a lot more um, resourceful, right? And we're able to, we're able to um, because of our past, we're able to like really flip the narrative on a lot of different things. Um, and that that's power, right? That's a lot of power and it's black power, right? Essentially. And so I think that's a big part of my mission. If you, if you pay attention to my socials, my life in general, um, that's what I talk about is like, you know, using our disadvantages to an advantage, right? And so I think getting Blacks to understand that, like, like you said, we don't have to play sports or rap just to make it. Um, we could go build the next big things around the world, I think is, is, is essentially uh, the goal, um, especially knowing that, you know, knowing that we are the ones that control the culture when it comes to all of this stuff anyway. Um, and understanding our value when it comes to that and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's just, it's, 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 it's a prominent thing for me. I love it. And you just said the word culture. And that's kind of the next thing I wanted to ask you about. You're always talking about pushing the importance of culture. Can you kind of talk about what culture means to you and then talk about, you know, how um, you're building culture, you know, not only within your business, but how you're utilizing it and leveraging it to to build the brand and build the business of UpDown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like culture in general, is just it's everything to me. Um, it's, it's, it's a top it's a top priority. Um, Within our business, it's funny you said it. Like as we as we speak, we're building a department for that, like essentially for that, right? And so it's it's that important to me because it controls everything, right? Um, culture controls emotions, feelings. Um, it, it controls the narrative. It can, like culture kind of covers it all. 
And so when I say black people lead that, it, it's it's essentially the thing, right? Right. When you got when you talk music, when you talk sports, when you talk business, when you talk, you know, fashion, we are the ones really controlling that narrative and making people feel a certain way or whatever the case may be. And so it's it's just big. But then within my business, I think, you know, with it being nightlife related, right? Everything that I just said is a part of that, right? Tech, music, fashion, right? And so black people run that, but we don't get the we don't get the recognition we deserve when it comes to that, right? And that's because nobody's been audacious enough to like go build things around it, right? So the POS systems that are in the clubs, you know, the the, the besides the liquor, we don't really own nothing in the club, right? And then the music, right? But there's there's so many other tech elements to the club that make the club work that black people can get their hands on. And that's what I'm deciding to do when it comes to that, to that, uh, the nightlife community. And that's how I think culture, you know, contradicts all of that or not even contradicts, but predicts all of that. I love it. And, and like you just said, it, you know, kind of forces one to think about how everything in culture and everything that is popping or is dope kind of reveals itself in the club. If you think about it, especially in the past, especially. Yeah. And so, so it's like, you know, when new outfits were, were breaking out or new fashion designers are like putting some dope ass clothing or a dope ass clothing out there, you know, the first place they're going to flex it is at the club to show it off, talk about it, push it. Oh, you got some some new music, you're going to push it there. The new music is telling you what's going on in the streets and what's going on in the community. So yep. it's like everything is in that world. And particularly when with all of those aspects, if it doesn't pop in the club, it, nine times out of 10, it ain't getting no luck. Right, so that outfit, you might think it's cool, but when you go out and it don't hit like you want it to hit, you go find the next outfit to hit, right? If the song don't hit like you want it to hit, you go to the next joint. And so uh, essentially, yes, right? Um, there's so many elements to nightlife that control the world. And I think nightlife is the piece that one, black need to, Blacks need to get their hands on, but two, the world needs to understand it's very valuable to everything else. Social in general, being social in general. Hell yeah. And so, <clears throat> When you're meeting with people for the first time and they're like, what do you do? What do you say? What's like your elevator pitch for up, down and your position and your role um, within your company? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a CEO, founder CEO of Up, Down, App, Inc. It's the social media for nightlife, right? So when you talk about Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, we are that for the nightlife community. That's literally the elevator pitch right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so, you know, I know you, you said you went to school at park and you finished and you jumped basically right into up down but why not take that to dallas i mean i think one would think you know dallas is equal to the the amount of you know largeness or 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 diversity of a city as kansas city and some might argue that it's even larger so what was kind of your thought process it's definitely larger um and there's two things to that one component is um while i was in college i partied a lot so i've had already built a community around um, what I was doing in college, right? So when I graduated, it was a lot easier to navigate and go get the information, the surveys, the the people to figure out the problem, um, one. And then two, um, when you're building something like I'm building, it's always like, even if you think of Facebook, they really started with a really small sector of like people. Like it was like, you had to be Ivy League just to be on Facebook, right? So they really started small and then it grew to big, right? And so I realized that Kansas City was a small niche market that I could really get my hands on, but be interactive with the people. Because essentially, if I'm building a B2C user-driven app, I need to know what people want. 
And I was able to contact and talk to these people from bar owners to the, the partiers themselves, even the liquor brands. I was able to kind of move into those circles and essentially get the information I needed to build the bigger product. In Dallas, it's a lot bigger, so it's going to be a lot harder to do that. And I knew that. So I stayed here and made sure that I, I got the information and data I needed to get to this point. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, building a social media app that's kind of centered around nightlife and, you know, in-person entertainment. I assume is pretty challenging during a pandemic. So can you kind of talk about, you know, how you worked through the past two and a half years and really still today, I know things have pretty much opened up, but I know there's still some, some challenges. So can you talk about your mental framework or your mental approach to that whole <laughs> shit show the past two and a half yeah, years? You know, when it first hit, it hit hard. Um, I was, I was essentially, I'm the kind of guy that with situations like that happen, I'm, I'm able to most of the time. 98% of the time able to flip it into a positive, right? And so when it happened, I was like, okay, cool. This gives us time to, we hadn't launched a product yet. So I'm like, this gives us time to get everybody at home and really go figure out what the product needs to look like. Um, but then essentially with that, it was like, okay, as time went on, I was like, oh, I'm realizing that people are like, people are going through depression. They are, you know, having anxiety problems. It, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing around people not being able to go out and so what that told me was what I was building was spectacular, right? And it was essential to the world because when they can't do what I'm building, they, they struggle. And so I used that to my advantage when I went to go raise money, when I went to, you know, pitch to figure out who was going to build the product, all these things, right? And so every little piece that was the negative, I just flipped it to the positive. And that's what I'm, I'm known to do, right? Um, you know, at, at any given time, something that could be bad, feel bad, seem bad. I know how to flip it and make it a positive just because that's what I was, that's how I was raised and how I was built. I love it. I love yeah. it. And I kind of wanted to ask, like, do you have like a specific, obviously the niche market you're working in is, you know, nightclub, nightlife, in-person entertainment. Um, but do you have like specific demographics that you're targeting, like specific types of clubs, or I don't know if that question is direct enough, but um, um, essentially, right. So uh, the, the broader piece is we're going to attack all social experiences, right? Um, at the moment, we're focused on the nightlife piece, so that nightclub bar experience, and essentially most places that are serving food and liquor or just liquor at all. Um, but the liquor piece is what's connecting everything, right? And so we're kind of sticking with that. Um, but outside of that, man, obviously the culture drive. So, you know, um, we're 35% Black as, as we speak. We got 10,000 users, but it, 35% of those are black already. And so naturally with us pushing the culture piece, um, our target demographic is that multicultural side of things, right? Um, and, and, and eventually everybody else follows like always. And so um, when we go out to attack, we try to keep culture first and then everything else follows. I love it. And you said 10,000 users. So, you know, over the past few months, kind of how have you approached building hype, I guess you could say around the launch of the app, you know, prior to launching it, and then, you know, like building and getting more users, like what is your, you and your teams like real process? Unique, real unique, real unique. So we raised some money, but a lot of that money went towards the product and being able to pay people to work, right? Um, and with that being said, you know, over over time, we're actually in the middle of a raise now. We've had to we've had to adjust and and, and go get more money. But with that, I've used press um, as my my main thing. If you notice, I mean, I've I've done for the past year and a half, two years, I've probably been on any and everything you can think of. Yes, right. So I use press to my advantage. One, and then those parties, man. When you throw events, 
people are when they come they you know they they see what's going on and we've always thrown really good events but that press piece man we flip press to be this thing that is really essential to our go-to-market, right? And we'll always be there, right? So when we go to other cities, other states, it's going to be those same things. We're going to hook up with those blogs. We're going to hook up with the, the news stations and really use that to our advantage because people pay attention to those things, right? When someone else is telling your story and not you, that's when people listen. And so I've always been that way. And 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 essentially, um, that's how we've gotten to that 10,000, I believe, is the press. I love it. And mm -hmm. I assume that like the amount of people on the app isn't the only way you measure growth. So could you kind of talk about like, uh, I mean, other, other statistics or data or just anything that you utilize to, to measure growth? Of the yeah, sorry. Obviously, the, essentially, the, the more people you have, the better. Right. So that's the, the ultimate goal is to get a lot of users. But that reoccurring piece is what matters. Right. So not only having users, but how many of those people come back every week or every day. Right. And so we break down those measurements as we go and essentially to go raise money and to get people to sign up and want people's data. You have to have that information. And so you start big and you say, all right, we have this many users, 10,000. Right. But we have 5000 people that come back every weekend. Right. But then we have 2000 people that come through every day and they check whatever, whatever. But what that does is it dictates what type of features we're going to add. Right. So what features are going to get people to keep coming back? And keep coming back right and so you don't want them to just download check it out and then let it go you know, how, how do we get them to come back which is why the first two features that we dropped were a user feed feature for you to post interact comment but then also the hotspot every single day so we know for a fact that if you want to know where to go you got to come back right and so those were that's kind of how we're building things and, and that's how the information um, comes in and then we, we we dissect it based on what people like what they're doing and then we build the next feature, right? And so it's it's a meticulous piece of work. Um, and, and I love it to death, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I know earlier you mentioned that, you know, a business to consumer app, but isn't there a, a B2B aspect to the business? And could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, right? So any B2C product usually has a B2B aspect um, that is not talked about. I can promise you that. But um, essentially our consumer is what drives that, right? So no consumer, no, no, no businesses. But um, on the back end, right, so a lot of that information that we have, we package it, make it look good so that we can help improve customer satisfaction rates for liquor brands, bars, clubs, tons of people, right, that, that want nightlife information or just consumer information in general. Very similar to the IG Facebook model, man. It, it's, it's essentially that um, we're just doing it at a better, uh, a better pace because we're not as big and, and we're not uh, doing real illegal things on the back end. But the people that keep up with that understand what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. And I know you just posted a video the other day, maybe it was yesterday, the day before, kind of talking about the business model and applying that same business model to other lanes, other worlds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you touch on that? Because I know in the video, you seemed pretty hyped. Yeah, yeah, man. So I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big dreamer, man. I, I talked about this earlier in a, in a meeting I had. I just, my visions are, are really, really big and broad. And I, you know, once I get on one thing, I can, I could, I feel like I could see, you know, 10 to 20 years later. And so uh, essentially, I think up down within the next um, 10 years is going to be like, like, like top two, top three, you know, social media platforms, depending on how TikTok really maneuvers. That's the only one I'm really thinking that'll be able to compete. But um, I, I think we'll get to that point and then I'll have some more things that I really want to build around other communities. Right. So the nightlife community isn't the only community that's pu pushing the culture forward. Right. I think this like content creator piece. Um, is really, really big. 
um, and it doesn't have any direction yet, right? From as far as like a networking place, people just do it on you know social media, right? The ones that they have now, the the Instagram, the Facebooks, but there there isn't like features and like things that you can use that benefit those people um, per se. And I think that a platform needs to come out for that. And so it's that's one idea, but I got tons, and I just think there's a lot of communities um, that could use help when it comes to networking, even like the construction community, like me and me and my guy Abram was talking about it the other day. Like there's, there's tons of communities within um, the world that, that need to be connected, but connected the right way and connected with things that they need to, to use to, to help them grow. And so essentially, I just think there's, there's tons of communities to build and I want to be the one to do it through social media. Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. And and speaking of Abram and a few other guests that I've had on the show, you've been able to build a pretty dope team and are still continuing to build an even larger team. Can you kind of t- talk about your approach to, to hiring and bringing people on? What are you looking for? What, 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 uh, you know, what type of energy are you looking for? What are you, how do you know if you're bringing on somebody that, that you really want to have on the team, if that makes sense? Yeah. I, I essentially want, um, people to be the CEO of their position, right? So um, no matter what um, you you are to our company, can you run it on your own, right? I essentially need that, right? For us to scale, for us to grow, to be this big thing, people that I bring on got to be able to run that department. And that's essentially what I look for, man. Like, you know, uh, obviously culture is, is a big piece of it, understanding culture, but I, I just need somebody that does the work right, right? willing to go build something on their own within our company and run it, right? And that's that's essentially where I'm at now. If you maybe would have asked me that a year ago, different answer. Right now, um, you come in, you you know your job, you do it well, you run your department and, and, and let me go get some money. I love it, I love it. And I wanna talk to you kind of about something that's, you know, been blowing up all over the internet. And I don't know if you have it, you know, gave it a lot of thought lately, but I know since you're a, a big dreamer and think a lot about, more business ideas and things of that nature. Do you think there are any Web3 applications for nightlife that you've been thinking about, whether, you know, the metaverse, just Web3 yeah. overall, um, yeah. any, any random ideas you have or anything of that nature? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get NFTs popping within our platform eventually for one, uh, just to put that out there. But two, um, I, I was looking at a platform the other day. I can't remember the name per se, but what they're doing essentially is um, providing a metaverse world but in person right so like they build the club online where people can go see it in person right and so they have this big arena that is built off fake club stuff where people go in and they kind of catch the vibe of the metaverse and so it's really really dope and that's something that when i seen it i was like ooh, that's something i like would love to get into um but essentially i you know the 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 this is the one space the nightlife space that I think is going to really be hard to metaverse out, right? Um, I need to see the woman I want to see at the club. I need to see the guy I want to see at the club. Um, I need to actually drink the drink to feel the buzz, right? And so things like that, I think are really hard to navigate. And essentially people may drink at home and feel like they're at the club, but that's just, that takes away from what the club actually is. And I say that um, in the sense of if it does transform into metaverse only one day, you know, 100 years from now, it's going to be the last one across the line, I believe. So um, that's something we're thinking about long term. But right now, it's all about it's all about being 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 a, the best nightlife social media app in the world. I love it. And this is kind of like just a question that popped up in my brain. I know that um, 
you know, uh, not to focus on the negative, but I know a lot of times, you know, people think about nightclub, they think about fights, they think about shootings, unfortunately. Um, when you think about like the negative aspects of things that happen outside the club or, um, you know, around the club areas, um, and then your app, like how, I guess my question would be is like, how do you approach those conversations being brought onto the app? You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. like, you know, comments, posts, oh, this happened, you know, like this happened, or hopefully it never gets to this, but people arguing on there, things like that. How do you approach like the negative yeah. aspect? Be honest with you, man. Conflict is not a bad thing on social media to me. I don't I like it. We won't have a disregard for people that get on the app and like argue or have debates or talk, right? So we'll have a chat about nightlife in general, like a Twitter for nightlife. Um, and so I want people to talk. I want people to express. I want people to be opinionated when it comes to that. But then, as far as the negative piece, man, the more data we can collect on nightlife, the more safe we can make it, right? And Essentially, that's what we're doing is collecting nightlife data. And so however we pick and play with that data that we have um, is up to us. But essentially, we'll be able to help all safety precautions when it comes down to that. And I think we'll make nightlife way more safe. Um, but essentially, man, like, you know, the world is the world, right? Like I, we're in the middle of a war as we speak, right? And that has nothing to do with nightlife at all. So, you know, it, it's going to be out there. But I think the more data that we get, um, you know, the more safe we can make it. I love it. I love it. And I kind of want to jump into the just business scene, startup scene in general in the Kansas City area. Are there, um, you know, I like to, when I get the opportunity, try to shout out or just give a chance for people to talk about people that they admire in the area or in the space. So can you talk about maybe some other entrepreneurs in the Kansas City area or, or companies or organizations that are helping out entrepreneurs that you really, you know, appreciate or have been able to help you out or that you just have learned a lot from when, if it comes to a specific individual? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one that comes off the top of the dome um, is one of our team members. So I'll give him some credit. Right. So uh, DJ Q uh, from a nightlife perspective is probably, I, I don't think there's a guy that I've learned from more. Um, when it comes to the cultural aspect and understanding how nightlife moves a lot of that. Um, and so I give big props to him. Um, from a venture capital perspective, uh, Nasir, Nasir from 68 Capital, uh, Chris has been um, very valuable to our, our building over the past couple months, right? Um, and then when you talk about organizations, man, it's a lot of organizations, you know, Casey Blackhorn is really doing that thing. I was a really big fan of by design. Still a big fan about design. Um, it's a lot of companies, man. You know, uh, it's a lot of a black, a lot of black movers and shakers that are moving. Um, but off the top of my dome, those are the, the first couple that come to mind. I love it. I love it. I, I, you know, it's funny. I always notice myself. I'm like, damn, I say I love it a lot, but that's a good thing. That's how you know that. Yeah, that's, not, that's, not. <laughs> that's how you know I'm having the right person on the show or the right people on the show. If I really love that shit, so. Exactly. Um, um, so, can you give me maybe? what you think is uh, overrated and underrated about nightlife. So what's something you think most people like, you know, value too much about the nightlife or, or, you know, throw a lot of hype to, but you're like, eh, that's overrated or, and then something that's underrated. Yeah. yeah. Overrated is a uh, bottle service. Uh, oh, it's, it's overrated. Like, you know, you spend, it is what it is, but you spend two grand, for a couple hours and then the next day same person right so you spending two grand to essentially be the man of the hour 
for a couple hours. Um, I think that's overrated, right? Like the, the, the guys or the girls that buy bottles, um, a lot of the times it's just for the flash and the flash don't last long. So <laughs> overrated is that. Underrated, um, essentially like that peer-to-peer experience. I don't think people understand the networking piece of it. Um, when it when 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 you talk about nightlife, people think, oh, you go out party, get drunk. It's like you meet some of the. <laughs> my network is huge when it comes to I'll put it like that. My network is huge, and essentially my network is ninety percent from nightlife, right? And uh, so so a lot of the times people think about nightlife in this negative connotation way, but it's like it's really how you network, man. You don't have to go out to three a.m. to meet people. You can go from a happy hour from seven to eleven, right? There's a tons of different things and different people that go out, have drinks, have food, and I think people don't talk about the networking aspect of nightlife enough, um, and that would be the underrated piece. I like that one because me and my lady go back and forth about this because she's a fan of like the nightlife or at least enjoyed it in the past. And I'm like, I hate that shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, nah, I ain't trying to go out. I ain't trying to be around people just getting drunk all night, blah, blah, blah. But when I look at it from that perspective, I mean, that's true. I mean, so many people go in and out of the club and bars from between seven and 3 a.m. Like the variety of people that go in, you don't got to be out there till 3 a.m. When actually once- bars open at 11, really. Yeah. Like it's 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. and some is 1:30, whatever the case may be. That's a, that's that's still nightlife. That's still social. Just because it's 11 a.m. doesn't mean like you do brunches. You do like there's there's tons of nightlife. Isn't this people call it nightlife? So people think night, and I get it. But being social, the social life is not that small. It's a lot bigger than that. And essentially, it's the best networking. Like you will not find better networking in the world. Hmm. Think about it. Think about Think about even if you go to conferences, they have liquor, they have food, and they're social in person. All of that stuff is social. That is essentially what networking is. And so nightlife doesn't get the credit for that. And that sucks. (laughs) That's real. No, that's real. You just changed my perspective a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We changing perspective this evening. Yeah, yeah, it's love. love. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I do want to ask you a few, I guess you could call personal questions. Um, and then of course, you know, if you don't have an answer, or you want to veto, feel free to say veto. I'm but sure, the, sure. the, the first question of this evening is how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And maybe in the past 10 to 15 years, have you had a favorite failure of yours that you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite failure for sure is uh, 2016 launch and fail, right? So, and I say fail, essentially our product uh, crashed. Um, and so we were at about 8,000 users back in 2016. And I didn't really know nothing about tech at all. It was just an app idea at that point and throwing parties. So it was like, I want an app. I'm going to just hire whoever to build it and then let them do their thing. And essentially it was terrible. And so I had to, um, what that did for me is understand tech and venture capital. Um, right. And so going to raise money, um, but then also building the right tech that could really withstand what I was going to go do. Um, and essentially that's what put us in position to be where we are now, right? And so that was my favorite failure right off the top of my dome. Um, but there's tons of failures, man. Like, you know, every day, to be honest, I feel like I'm learning something new every day. Um, I don't really have any particular that I could think of at the moment, but that one in 2016 is, that's that's my baby right there. I, I keep that close. I, I still it. learn from that. Like, I, like there's things I go through today that I still think back like, okay, I remember this happened. I'm not going to let that happen again. So, mm-hmm. and do you have like, you know, for for uh, 
I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and use this word. You know, some people may not like it, but it's just real for for the for the Joshua fans out there, because you know everybody got fans, right? Yeah. Everybody okay. got everyone claimed they ain't a fan of somebody, but everybody a fan. But you know how men are. So okay. so um for the Joshua fans out there who consume a lot of your content, fuck with what you do. Can you kind of share maybe what your a day in the life looks like? Like, how are you planning out your day? You know, what's the what's the normal day look like? Okay, at this time I do this, and then here I hit the gym. Like, kind of break down a, a general day in the life. I know things as an entrepreneur change so so yeah, so rapidly, yeah. but a general day in the life of Joshua. Yeah, yeah. So I, I essentially wake up about five five thirty. I get up. I get directly on the computer. Um, it's it's funny. I I, I kind of got an office set up at the crib, so I get up. And I, my clothes, I don't even put my clothes on. I, I go straight to the computer, sit down, work a little bit. And then essentially I get up. I used to get coffee. I'm on this kick right now where I'm not drinking it, but I would get coffee, drink a little bit of coffee, work a little bit more. Then I can shower, do all that stuff. And then my meetings would usually start about eight o'clock, right? Um, then I'll hit the ground running with those, knock those out until about noon, um, try to eat. And then once I eat, I uh, essentially go to the gym between that 12 to two period give me a workout in, um, and then I end the day, depending on the day, um, with more meetings, more work, um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm always backed up on emails, um, and then, you know, once a week, me and Abram have a content day, right, so we're shooting content all day, um, and so it's just essentially that evening period is depending on, like, the day, what I got scheduled, what I'm feeling, um, but uh, I, essentially, I'm either on emails, working, or I got a, a couple more meetings to kind of end off the night, and then post is if I want to go out or not and, and network I love it and I and I you know speaking of content um you know we've seen a shift in your content over the past six months can you kind of talk about how you and Abram have been approaching that and maybe what you're excited about excited about moving forward and what you've really enjoyed about the content creation process over yeah, the past yeah. months? Yeah, it's you say six months it's been a year bro like um essentially I, I give all credit to Abram Abram is a, a, a content genius to be totally honest yeah, yeah. Um, um, people don't really uh, give him the, the love he deserved yet, but he don't care about that, which is what makes him a genius. But um, essentially, man, we approach it on a, uh, 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 it's a very strategic move. And I don't want to give the strategy because it's our stuff. I understand. But, um, we also have a, 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 a very sporadic piece to it, right? So we meet every week and there's times where we are you know, we have a full day and we might have a camera running, but we don't have any content going. We just strategizing or talking about ideas and bouncing them off each other. But essentially the reason we work well together is because we're both open-minded to trying things, right? I don't think, um, I think people do so much of, uh, when it comes to content, people do so much of like seeing and then trying to do. And what we do is try to create our own, right? And we're open to try whatever, right? Even if it flops, right? And so, I think with us, we just have that connection of like understanding that, you know, no matter what it is, um, we're going to give it a shot if we like it. And then after we'll, we'll assess and figure out if we can keep using it or not. And that, essentially, that's what that's what life and business is. And so we just use the same model and content. I love it. So what is maybe one of the best or worst um worthwhile investments you've ever made um maybe to keep it easy you can think of in the past year or or two years what's like the best you know or worst um worthwhile and non-worthwhile worthwhile investment yeah i talk about this all the time that's essentially that overrated piece man i'll spend some money on bottles that i don't think is necessary right so like 
is it, it, you're spending the money for, you know, for a good time, essentially, yeah. but you can have a good time without getting bottles. And so that would definitely be the worst investment over the years, bro. I've been partying for, like I said, a decade, but I, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't get a bottle. Ah, <laughs> let me take that back. Yeah, I might still, but not as much, right? I, I probably would tone it down a little bit. And so I think essentially that's, you know, spending money on uh, the bottle service aspect has always been like, every time I do it, I'm like, what was that for? So, And best investment, best investment you've ever made that you can think of, whether it's money, time, or energy. Uh, as a uh, best investment would probably be, and it's hard to explain how this is, but from a, um, just from a, conscious making a conscious effort to like enlighten everybody around me often right like I I feel like I'm always trying to teach um and that's like a, a more of a time I guess investment but that kind of investment I think is the best investment I've made because I've seen people around me grow and it's nothing like that right from obviously from family my kids all the way down to everybody on my team I, I try to pour a lot into them um and essentially I've seen everybody grow like in there you know as I continue to grow they're growing with me and that's essentially like the best feeling in the world. And, and you mentioned fatherhood shortly. Could you talk about maybe some of the um, beauties of, of mixing fatherhood and entrepreneurship together? I'm sure there's a lot of challenges, but just maybe some insights you've had that, that you know, really like made you feel grateful. Yeah, the big thing for me is just like, like my kids seeing how hard I work and being able to understand that they could do the same, right? So everything I achieve is about showing them um, and making them feel like they can accomplish those same things. And essentially that's what it is, right? I have, I have an eight-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And so they're young and, and they're at a point where, you know, even my two-year-old, like a couple of days ago asked me, I was like, all right, I'm out. He was like, you're going to work? Because he knows, you know, he like, he gets it, right? And so that aspect, understanding they can grind and go get it for themselves. Um, and, and I think for me, that's the part that always hits me hard. It's like, that's where that mix comes in. It's like, I'm working. But it's cool to see that my youngins see it and they love it and, and want to know about it and understand it um, and, and essentially be, be, be the next me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I got two more questions for you, then I'll let you I'll let yeah, you slide. Yeah. Guy. Um, so, you know, in the last, you know, three to five years, has there been a new belief or, or behavior or habit that you developed or, or redeveloped um, that has like really improved your life? improved the the thought that I had uh, and essentially I think it has wine so I started drinking wine about three years ago um I was a big heavy like liquor drinker and then some of my team Kenzie and Kirby uh who are on our team they're big big on wine and essentially they were like you know not only is it a lot healthier than whiskey or the liquors that you drink it, the, the the buzz and it, it helps you you can still like work and operate and and feel good the next day and so essentially it, it might be weird to hear but that that's that's a that's that's one thing that I think I've I, I was just talking about this actually I've, I've, I've learned to do um that, that I think is um very valuable to like my my vibe because like I'm big on like my best creations and ideas come from like my vibe, like how I'm feeling at the moment and wine enhances that. And so I think some of my best ideas that I've had over the years have come from when I've been late at night drinking wine, chilling and, and on a computer. Um, and it may, like I said, it may seem weird to most, but that's 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 something for me that I think has really enhanced what I, what I do. I love that. 
Makes yeah. me think of uh, I had uh, Adam Vinos Vinos on the on the show, um, head of diversity and inclusion over at uh, Barclay. Um, yeah. And I know he was. I don't know if it's him and friends or if he's just. But either way, they're working on some type of like canned wine or something, Kansas City yeah. wine. Yeah. Anyways, I've been telling them I'm gonna try. I ain't never drank in my life, so I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna drink. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm a drink, it's going to have to be something just like crazy fuego. Like it has to be a perfect experience. Like yeah, wine to be, be where to go for sure. Man, I just got to do it on like some vineyards or some shit. Um, so, so my final question for you today, um, well, kind of final question is, yeah. you know, you're in business, you're in entrepreneurship, but like, what's the, the end goal? Like, like, how do you look at like, you know, finance wealth growing like are you like oh, i'm gonna take all my money from the business and put it in real estate oh i'm gonna take all my money and enjoy it i'm gonna take all my money and invest it here like how do you think about investing wealth and like future when you're like 60 something yeah when i'm 60 something man it's it's, it's you know I, it's really gonna be about my kids bro um it's hard to say from a business perspective because i'll still be working really hard at that time i believe um uh, somebody asked me about retirement the other day and what does it look like and I'm like I don't really think I will um because I I on a day and, and it sounds cliche but I do what I love right and so whether it's you know toning down on a day-to-day basis or not um is whatever but I don't see myself necessarily retiring man like you know um I'm gonna always be working to give back to my kids to people around me and I think that's work as well and that's a part of what I do on a day-to-day so as far as the work side, I don't I don't see that really slowing down um, as much. Um, I, I'll find ways to be productive always, but essentially, bro, my kids being able to um, success for me on that side is being able to like get and have what they want, right? Um, and and understand life on on the levels that I've gotten to understand it, right? And so that's success for me. Um, you know, going to get the bag is always big, but it's essentially so my kids don't have to do do what I had to do to go get it. I love it. I love it. All right. Now the true final question of the day, it's your last day on earth. You're 155 years old. You've lived as long as you want to live. You feel good. You feel great. You've achieved everything you wanted to achieve. You kids, grandkids, everybody's thriving, but your great, great grandkids are sitting at your feet and it's the last thing that you get to leave them with. Um, and they ask you, you know, all, all your books, everything you've ever written, once you pass away is going to be erased. This is the last thing they're going to remember you for. So take this with the grain, you know, with, with some heart. They ask you, great, great grandpa, give me one piece of advice on how to live a good life. What are you going to tell them? Always keep going. Always keep going. I like that. Yeah, no matter what happens, I always keep going. And it 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 it, it, cut, it covers across all barriers, right? No matter what you're going through, good or bad, always keep going, no matter what it is. So I love it. Well, listen, Joshua Lewis, I appreciate you jumping on the show with us here on the College Stutter Show to chop it up about your life, share a little bit about the business, share a little bit about you. Um, I'm sure the listeners are going to appreciate it. I'm sure I did. So with that being said, before we sign out, let the people know where they can find you and how they can support you in the business moving forward. Yeah, download the app, man, in the app store, Up Down App Inc. Uh, you can find me, Joshua I. Lewis, on all platforms. Up Down Nightlife, Up Down App Inc. on all platforms as well. Um, and, and, and we'll be there. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Another episode of the College Stetzer Show. This is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, signing out. Salud!